Politics, and welcome to the Net Positive Podcast. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and this episode of the Net Positive features a conversation with Dan Mabe. He is the founder, president, CEO of the American Green Zone Alliance. He described AGSA as a group of people whose mission is to prudently help facilitate low-impact, cleaner, and quieter technologies and operations for the grounds maintenance industry. So today, AGSA represents an alliance of communities, advocacy groups, service providers, manufacturers, and more who are leading the landscaping industry toward what they see as the inevitable future. Dan, welcome to The Net Positive. I'm I'm delighted to have you on the show. Uh, Ted, thank you very much. I'm uh, very honored and happy to be here. And uh, just before we get into the, some of the, the, the meat of it all, where are you actually? Where are you sitting? I'm, I'm in Glendale, California. Where are you? Uh, right now, I am in Woodland Hills, California. Uh-huh. And are you, a, are you a Southern California native or where do you hail from? Um, I hail from, well, I was uh, raised here most of my life, uh, spent a, a small portion of my childhood on the East Coast. But you can say... Uh, Southern California raised for in most your, of my life. In, in your blood, in your blood. And then uh, where did you venture back east? Where was that? What part? Was that New England? For uh, New York. New York. Whereabouts? That's my home state. Uh, Westchester County. Aha. Uh-huh. And, and in fact, we, we just established two AGSA certified green zones there. And what was an amazing coincidence is there's a town called Rye in Westchester County, and there's a park in Rye called Crawford Park. And that is where we used to have our family picnics every single year in Crawford Park. And that's from my side. They are the Mutino family picnics. It's a, it's a great immigrant story. Uh, came over from Italy at the turn of the century, everybody worked hard and and uh, really just went into their various occupations and interests and passions. And we have uh, stockbrokers, we have lawyers, we have teachers, uh, police officers, and yes, even uh, landscape installation and maintenance uh, folks that have started companies there on Long Island. So a lot of history there. But it was just a, an amazing coincidence that Crawford Park ended up being an AGSA certified green zone. That's a, that's a really good one. That's a really good one. Well, I know Rye well. And I grew up right across, originally in Manhattan and then in Oyster Bay. And at one well, yeah, point, Oyster Bay, exactly. <laughs> I think they were going to put a bridge right across from Oyster Bay to Rye. And, uh, and, and you're right about that. It never, you know, it never panned out, uh, I would say, fortunately. Uh, but sometimes when you have to go all the way around through the traffic, uh, you, you wish that bridge was there. <laughs> you and I, have, we have that. We have that in common, don't we? So so now how did let's 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 unpack AGSA, the American Green Zone Alliance. Uh, what was the genesis of this organization? Well, you know, it, it is a long and personal story, but I'll give the, uh, the cliff notes. Um, it, by circumstance, when I was a, a very young kid, uh, when I first came out here to uh, California, I, um, 
ended up in a, a situation where the man of the house was a high volume gardener. So all of a sudden I was spending my summers and my weekends uh, doing high volume gardening in Southern California. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't even 10 years old. And when I circled back to this industry uh, after um, getting out of college, I started with gas. And then, you know, for some reason, after the complaints and the confrontations, I said, you know, there has to be a better way. So I started actually an all electric a uh, sustainable grounds maintenance company called the Green Station. And this was back in the mid 2000s when the technology that exists today wasn't even close to, to being what it is today. We had uh, brush motors, nickel cadmium and sealed lead acid uh, chemistries. These tools were, you know, very um, primitive to, to what we have now. But what I was able to do was make it work and make it work with people powered methods as well. And I, I have to tell you the the business model succeeded. And uh, then I got into making uh, and bootstrapping uh, some, some lithium batteries to interface with some of the tools that were on the market uh, and, and definitely went into that sort of development, making Franken equipment, searching out uh, people from the aerospace in, uh, industry to help out. And um, I, after building this route up to about 68 homes, I just realized, hey, this is not the end of it. There's a much higher calling. Uh, so I um, basically said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give this route out to five different individuals and I'm going to equip them and I'm going to train them and, and to do it this way. And that was when AGSA was officially born. And I would say that was around 2010. Right. And how interesting, Dan, and, and your, your vision here. And uh, I was at LADWP in 1998 and we were trying to develop an electric leaf blower with aerovironment. And I remember just understanding with Paul McCready and, and, and others there, uh, the, the, comple the complexities of blowing something uh, and, and how much energy it takes. But you said that the, your business model worked when you had that route. And I, I take it that that means that you were able to, I, I, you must have had to charge a premium to those customers because they wanted a green service, basically. You, you know what? That is correct. For, uh, I would say about 50% of the route, we charge on average 25 to 30% more. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, after we did what, what I would call the Starbucks study, <laughs> where we asked some of our customers who always had Starbucks uh, cups in their hands, what would they say they spent on Starbucks per month? Uh, some of them said easily $200. Uh, so I we were just like, you know, what's it worth to you to have more peace and quiet, uh, this approach? And definitely we were able to get the route, about 50% of them to pay that premium. But then we were able to actually, even back then, the way the technology stood, we were able to have similar work production rates to gas with the equipment and the technology, uh, the way it standed back then and, and able to compete on the smaller properties and, and, and do well there. 
That's, that's impressive. Um, what did Pete, what did your first customers want? Did they, did they want to get rid of gas or did they want to get rid of the noise or the uh, emissions from the gas motors or what, or was it a mix of all those motivations? It was a mix. I think noise is always at the top. Um, noise was the, the primary driver, but uh, definitely there was, even back then, uh, people really understood that we live in one of the most smoggiest areas in the United States. We're very air quality challenged and, and air pollution was definitely cl- a close second. Yeah, let's, let's unpack both of those. Let's hit on noise for a second. So you're, when, you're, when we're talking about um, landscape equipment, we're primarily talking about lawnmowers and then leaf blowers. Is that right? Or am I missing? Are there other technologies? Or Actually, the, the two-stroke hedge trimmer and chainsaw is, are the loudest gas tools uh, one can have on their truck. Uh, the leaf blower is not far behind and it's more targeted because it's more frequently used and that's what, what people hear most often. Uh, so, and it's going to be all of them, even the lawnmowers, um, but they do vary in decibel levels. But one thing gas equipment has in common with one another is they are all low frequency. There's a, there's a low frequency component to gas equipment and there's militaries that use low frequency technology against their enemies. Low frequencies travel long distances and they penetrate barriers very easily uh, versus electric technology, which is actually high frequency. And the noise profile, it will drop off significantly as you distance from it. Um, a, a person named Joy, uh, she's with a little group uh, named Cha-Cha in Altadena. She made, made the analogy best. I credit her this. Think about a mosquito next to your ear. You can hear it very loud, but as that mosquito distances from you, that noise profile drops off significantly. That's the effect that electric equipment has versus their gas counterparts. So it's not just the decibel. It's not just the volume. It's the, it's the frequency. And can you, can you give any sort of a general rule of thumb that when you go from a gas leaf blower to an electric leaf blower, you're going from, I don't know what it was, 100 dB down to 10 or down to 20, or is that, is it? Well, we'll okay, so we'll be conservative. We'll be nice uh, to the gas leaf blowers. Let's just say um, there are a few models that are 65 dB, uh, but most are going to be in the 75 to 85% range. And I, I would say, well, all of the electric ones are 65 dB and lower. And then when you have that, even if you have a 65 dB gas and then a 65 dB electric, of course, that frequency component uh, comes into play. And, and then you can obviously understand the annoyance levels of, of both. That's fascinating. Okay. And how about, how about on the emissions side? Uh, what's the, what is the, I mean, we've, there's been some outrageous claims about uh, a lawnmower creating as many, as much pollution as a car driving across the country, or I, I don't know. What, what is a realistic uh, um, equivalent for gasoline lawnmowers? Well, you know, 
I would say this because we wanted to understand this and understand it for ourselves. And we didn't always agree with the public information and some of the inventories that were out there. Uh, so we actually hired environmental scientists and developed a software uh, with our nonprofit partner, Quiet Communities. Um, and it's called ELF, stands for Environmental Landscape Footprint. It's very granular and accurate, Ted, because we're able to inventory, for example, all of our green zone certification projects when we're helping cities and universities and school districts and even private companies transition, we create these ELF reports for them are ELF profiles. And I can say for certain on criteria pollution, uh, such as NOx, ROGs, um, it is going to be off the charts um, with uh, SOAR, uh, small off-road engines, as you know. Uh, there definitely is, and we do measure CO2, there definitely is a CO2 component to this. In terms of the global pie chart, and you've always said this, I remember, it's not a significant producer of CO2 on that global pie chart, but for how small these engines are, they create a lot of CO2. So we, we definitely could say that we back up uh, some of the air districts and, and California Air Resources Board claims where it's like driving a car from here uh, to Denver, uh, which would be running a gas leaf blower for a few hours or operating a, a, a mower uh, for a day. So it, it, is, it is very significant. Staggering, staggering, isn't it? Uh, and you mentioned that now that the technology has, has really advanced. Is that, does that give you more functionality, more power? Does it give you just more duration, all the above? It does give you more power, more duration, uh, quicker, quick charge capability, um, if you will. Uh, there, there's still shortcomings on the equipment as it exists today if you are not going to behavior modify, uh, if you will. Um, it's, it's great, but the raw purists that like the way their gas operates now, a lot of them are saying, look, just give me something that does what my gas do does and we'll call it a day. It has improved dramatically, but there's still a component. And this is why I also created AGSA is to educate, to train, to certify, and, and to ensure that this is going to endure. And most importantly, that whoever invests in this equipment, which is on average 40, sometimes 50% higher or more uh, than their gas counterparts when you purchase, that that cost benefit analysis is accurate and they are going to get to that ROI, that return on investment. So that economic feasibility component um, is first and foremost and strong. And then we can easily have everything else that we need to have with these tools. That's great. I mean, I think EVs have been so successful because their performance is just so equivalent to a car, except the range. But all of the performance is, is even better than an than a ICE internal combustion engine vehicle, but are there things that you have to, you mentioned sort of behavioral component. I mean, what do, what do your gardeners have to do differently with the electric equipment versus the, uh, the internal combustion? 
Quick yeah. Question. One 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 thing is um, they they have to they don't have to baby it, uh, but we recommend because these are electric pieces of equipment with with motherboards, PCU boards inside. They have battery management systems in the batteries. Um, it, it's very preventative uh, to get these tools to their ROI. So we recommend uh, not banging them around, how to care for them properly, how to extend the life of the battery, setting up proper and safe uh, charging infrastructure, uh, ambient room temperatures, don't leave the stuff in, in uh, it, it can handle rain, there's good ingress protection, uh, but there are certain things you can't do with water. Um, there's just so many little things that we know now of how to make this work. Um, gas leaf blowers versus electric blowers. Let's really hone in on this. We are entirely upfront and honest to all of our uh, audience, if you will, especially the gas using audience, that the best electric leaf blowers, commercial blowers on the market are not going to do what the best gas ones are going to do is ter in terms of work production rate capability. So right out of the gate, we're teaching them how to use the commercial ones judicious, judiciously, uh, efficiently, and, and how to use other methods with the electric technology to meet the same end, if you will. Uh, so, so definitely with the, the blowers, Ted, uh, there's a very strong component that we have to, to go in there with to, to help wing them off of those, those gas leaf blower uh, uh, power levels, if you will. Now, AGSA is in the business, if you will, of, of certifying zones, right? And then educating within these zones. I know that the city of Glendale, where I live, we have eight parks that are now part of AGSA. Is that right? So is that, the, is that, is that primarily how you're spending your time, Dan, is, is getting communities excited about this, getting council resolutions passed to, to create these zones? It, that was, uh, fortunately for us, it seems like it's, it's reached critical mass lately. Uh, but yes, a, a, a City of Glendale has eight AGSA certified green zones. These are areas where all routine maintenance um, is done with um, electric tools and people-powered tools. Uh, the minimal requirement for an AGSA certified green zone is to phase out all two-stroke equipment. Uh, that the, if they can't do that, then, then they cannot um, uh, meet our standard. The, the higher levels are phasing out all uh, internal combustion uh, operation for routine maintenance and then actually uh, using organic uh, methods to fertilize uh, for pest control, for weed control. Uh, and then um, also it's we're, we're going to give higher scores if they can actually replace utility vehicles and other things as well. So, but the minimal requirement is phasing out the two-stroke equipment. And then you have a scoring system. Is that right? right. That is correct. I and, see. And, and, um, yeah. and then you, Dan, you've mentioned a couple of times, you, you've mentioned people powered and I love that. I think I know where you're going, but I, I'm out uh, trimming my hedge with my, uh, my old garden shears and everybody's looking at me like I'm a Luddite, but I enjoy that. And uh, I don't need to pull an extension cord out there or have any, any kind of electric equipment or any 
mechanical equipment, but talk a little bit more about what you mean about some of these people powered um, practices. Absolutely. I'm going to start with myself. At my home, uh, we grow food instead of grass, uh, first of all. Uh, the only uh, power tool we use is a, a an electric blower, but we're in Woodland Hills. We're in a fire zone. We have two oak trees that canopy the roof. I have to get up there and blow the roof off. Uh, but besides that, I have a ground sweeper that has two brushes in the front and a capture container. I use rakes. I use brooms. I use the clippers. My wife and I use the clippers. And uh, we just love it. And it, it it's just... For us, it's pure bliss, but in the professional world, that's just not practical and that is not reality. However, in the professional world, we really urge when there's large piles of debris uh, that they, they actually stop, even with the electric blower, our gas, and then pick up those really large, heavy piles and don't blow those uh, just with a blower across the parking lot, if you will. Uh, so people-powered tools are, are very important, and we are really trying to encourage their use through our residential green zone initiative. Basically, it lives on our page. We've taken our institutional success and made a call to action for people just to make green zones at their house. So we always encourage people-powered tools first, corded electric second, and then battery electric third. I want to get to AB 1346, but before I do so, and you've already mentioned the Crawford Park all the way in Rye, New York. Uh, so obviously your effect is sweeping the country. Uh, how, how have you done? How, what, what, talk about how many communities have, uh, that you've turned on or that are doing similar things around the country. Yeah, we have a, a strong presence in Illinois. Uh, even if we don't do an actual green zone certification. We have conducted hundreds of professional and homeowner workshops. These are live, uh, they're by webinars, and they're also by, by Zoom meetings. And, and that is what's really gaining the interest. Uh, we meet with a lot of politicians. We're working with a lot of municipalities. Um, Mountain Brook, Alabama created an AGSA certified green zone. Um, we have uh, green zones uh, in New York, Illinois, California, and we have one coming online in Florida next year. Uh, so definitely that is very encouraging. But in addition to that, we have traveled over 21 states and, and brought our workshops and, and some of the services and education that we provide. Congratulations. And is, 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 does AGSA have a membership that's, that's supporting that and leveraging you? Um, well, our, our mem the Alliance, if you want to be part of the Alliance, basically uh, service pros, we, we train companies, they go through our service pro certification uh, program, and then they get a listing on our website. Uh, we're supported with contracts with air districts, uh, California Air Resources Board, to, who who sees the value of public-private partnership and 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 uh, allowing us to go out and do the work that we do and and help them promote their uh, programs uh, that are just reaching people uh, tremendously, like South Coast AQMD, as you know, uh, they have been the most progressive in the entire country. Uh, Carrots. 
not sticks. Uh, they have always created programs that buy the cost of the equipment down. And in addition to that, uh, they've brought us on board uh, to go out and engage the commercial uh, industry uh, to, you know, help promote the program, let people try the tools, verify the tools, and then even do the educational part and some and some green zone projects. And then AB 1346, California Assembly Bill 1346, uh, had to have been something that you toasted mightily. You probably worked really hard to make it happen, and then you toasted mightily when it passed. But am I right that that is a a bill that that was passed in California, signed by the governor, that will phase out these single off-road engines in the future? Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked about it. Uh, AGSA uh, is actually neutral on AB 1346. However, um, we did go up to Sacramento and and testify in front of the, the, the Environmental Senate Committee. What we wanted to do was just get... You, we wanted to give data-driven metrics, X's and O's. You had one side that was completely against it, another side that was very for it. And we said, hey, look, we're, we are kind of in the middle. Uh, we work with industry. I come from the gas industry and we're making tremendous strides and they, they've they just done so well. The manufacturers creating these new tools. Uh, and so we went up there and we testified to what AGSA has been able to accomplish, for instance, um, our largest green zone to date in Antelope Valley, it's Westside Union School District, it's 132 serviceable acres. And, and so we just went up there and said, this is what we've been able to do. But we were very, very clear. You can't just think that equipment was the root of all of it. This was building relationships, building trust, providing the knowledge, the training, and that certification, that engagement piece. Um, you know, we are fighting for equality, equity for our industry. Um, for example, we know that the EV industry has been heavily funded. I mean, to the tunes of billions of dollars, the, the solar industries as well, um, we are still fighting for a larger piece of that pie. And, uh, you know, while we're very encouraged with the passing of AB uh, 1346, there was a $30, I'm sorry, $30 million funding mechanism to go with it. And going to CARB for over 10 years, bringing uh, electric leaf blowers into chambers in my hand and fighting for that equality and funding mechanisms against these giant industries. Um, it was like jumping for joy that something finally happened. So to surmise, um, we're definitely behind CARB, who has the scientists and understand what kind of air quality we have and the challenges and the attainment goals we need to achieve. So we leave it to the CARB scientists. We are here to help facilitate and help usher that along, but we are still going to be pushing for more funding, more resources, and, and more acknowledgement for this industry. You made an interesting point about uh, the, the electric vehicles being heavily subsidized, the solar industry being heavily subsidized, storage. You know, we can list off. I take it that there's no tax credits for the, this electric um, gardening equipment. Is that right? 
Um, it's not tax credits. What, what it is, it, it's point of sale price reduction, uh, which, is, which is good. We would rather have that where we feel the tax credits can come in yeah. is when people achieve a certain level of pollution reduction. And that is where we hope to position um, our ELF software in the future. Uh, because we are the ones that can actually verify that on that granular level. Uh, but again, buying down the cost of battery equipment for this industry is so important because about 60% of this industry just cannot afford it, one. And then second, we need workforce training. In CARB's budget, uh, it was announced that there's going to be $150 million going towards workforce training for, uh, for the, the, the training of EV mechanics. That is a brilliant idea. It's entirely needed. It is an explosion, a, a proliferation of, of, of that industry that needs to have that support. We're just saying we need it too. It makes sense. You said a little earlier that the, the cost of this equipment is typically 40 to 50% more. Is, it, is, it still, is that still the case? You have still that, that cost premium generally? Yes, yes. And, 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 and the rebates, the carb, the, the rebates are coming in and maybe tackling 75% of that delta or something like that? Well, that was South Coast. South Coast, again, ahead of the curve. They, they felt it prudent just seed the market, which they did. Now they have pent up demand. Um, any other new projects coming online, I understand it's gonna be 50%, which AGSA, <laughs> when we do our, our uh, cost benefit analysis and our ROI trajectories matrix, <laughs> anybody who's getting even 25 or 30% off of a tool, we can make very good sense of that. But the caveat, is that the tools are taken care of and they actually choose the right tool. I, I, we will never impugn a manufacturer, but there are a lot of brands coming online and we know the brands that are very good at marketing, but they have very, um, unfortunately, their, their tools are not great. Battery failures within the first two years, most of them and tool failures, even safety issues. Um, you know, people just have to really, they have to make the right decisions, you know, in procurement. And again, if you don't take care of these tools to help them get to their ROI, then, then it becomes a tough proposition. Interesting. Couple more questions. Um, what is the net, what's next for you right now? Or is it just more of the same? Um, no, it's, it's, well, it's, it's a lot of more of the same, but we are expanding uh, nationally. We have projects coming online in, in Colorado, um, in New York, uh, where we are working at the county level. Um, definitely, we're excited uh, about what's going on here in California. And we're even talking to some uh, industry groups who we may, and I can't name them yet, but they are, they're the groups that, that manage the industry. And we have held out all of branches to one another. We were never at odds, but, you know, in this entire process of AB 1346, we realized we're in lockstep 
on almost 90% of everything. So um, we're very excited about collaborating and partnering with these groups to spread our education. And our education is online. We have online courses, which are in Spanish, they're in English. Uh, we're conducting our seminars, our workshops. So we're, we're, we're interested uh, to partner with these groups and do more of the same, but at a scale that we can say would be playing in the big leagues. Good stuff. Good stuff. And then, and then finally, um, you mentioned gardening with your wife. <laughs> what else do you do to keep balance? You're obviously doing something right, Dan. You're having a huge impact. You're smiling. You're healthy. How do you, how do, you do that? Well, I used to be a competitive tennis player, um, and I, I just started playing tennis again until I had this unfortunate issue with this retinal uh, detachment that I'm recovering from. But uh, definitely um, love to go out, uh, play my tennis, do the gardening. And then I, I love to geek out and read about uh, the new technologies, uh, electric and, and battery technologies uh, that are coming online. Uh, so that that's what I do. And then lastly, chess. <laughs> I play a lot of chess online. It really relaxes me. Oh, great. Oh, great. Well, listen, I am, I am inspired by you. I thank you for what you're doing. I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners will be inspired and educated. I, the systems approach that, you're, that you've talked about is uh, really what I take away from this conversation. It is not just about the technology. This is getting into a whole new mindset how we can how we can take care of our landscaping so so thank you very much dan and have a great afternoon all right thank you ted that's it thanks for tuning in to this edition of the net positive we'll see you next time